Hello, everyone. Welcome. Good afternoon. I welcome you all in that matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, we, uh, we serve a great, great God. The Lord of the universe, the one who created everything by the power of his word, takes pleasure to be present, to be in midst of his children. And church, we have this great assurance that we are joined by his majesty, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. So as we prepare our hearts tonight to worship him, let us hear from Psalm 96. Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above, above all gods. Amen. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, we are in awe of your works. And your presence is too wonderful, Lord, to us. You are all that we need. You are our portion and our prize, our fortress and our refuge, God. Be delighted, O oh Lord, in our praises tonight. To you alone we will sing. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. So church, if the Lord has gifted you with any uh, spiritual gifts like word of prophecy or any other tongue, would you please come up forward and meet Pastor Steve who's on my left, your right, and he will let you know how you can uh, share that gift to uh, exhort the church, encourage the church. Brethren, let's worship. Let's join us. Join as we sing. Please stand. Let the redeemed appear. 
will come to an end. Oh, what a reunion, the bride and the king, forever will praise him, forever will sing. Yes! Oh, look and see our God and celebrate the power. I ran 
chapter 1 verse 13 and 14 he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins and the whole of creation is worshiping God we who are redeemed from the darkness transferred to his light we have all the more reasons to worship him church let's worship and call on to his name. And east to west, 
Bye. 
Yeah. 
deserved to be called your own. Lord, you've called us as sons and daughters. What a great privilege. What a great joy and love that you've filled us with. What can we give to you, O Lord? We give to you our hearts. Take it. Lead us, Lord. Lead us into your presence. Father, help us. We pray that you will fill us with your spirit as we sit and humble to hear your voice. Thank you, Father. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask and pray. Amen. Please be seated, church. Good afternoon, church. Praise God for the worship team for leading us in that wonderful worship. Um, good afternoon, everyone. I'd like to call on first our tweens. If you're still here, please stand up. All right. Christine is there, and she'll lead you up to your class. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in worship, tweens. Uh, if you have not been introduced yet, uh, good afternoon, everyone. I am Earl Palacios, one of the elders here, and it's a joy to see you all here, be with us, gathered together. If you are new here, we have a bit of a tradition 
and we'd like to make sure that you are welcomed. So if you are here for the first time, we'd like you to stand up and one of the ushers will come around <clears throat> with the microphone and we want you to say two things, your name and the country you're from. So we are going to do that by sections and we'll start off with the rightmost section here. So if anybody's here for the first time, please stand up. We'd like to meet you. There you go. Oh. Hello. Thank you for allowing us to be here to join with you guys and worship with God. My name is Mark Weavers and my son, Cole Weaver. We're from the United States. We just moved here about two weeks ago from New Mexico. So we're blessed to be here. Thank you. All right. Welcome. Thank you for coming here. Uh, my name is Ligudi Sri. I'm from India. Hello, welcome. Great. Okay, ladies next. Uh, hi, uh, my name is Glory. I'm Nigerian, but I live in Germany and I'm visiting for a month, so I'm happy to be here. Welcome. <laughs> Glad you're here. Oh, I think we need more mics here. All right. <laughs> Not yet, not yet. That, give it a try. Hello? Oh, there. yes. No. I'm Angelina. I'm from Germany. And I'm here with my sister. She's living here. Okay, well. <laughs> yes, my name is Susanna. I'm living here since August. So, yeah. And the first time here. <laughs> okay. Glad you're here. Okay. Thank you. Um, hi. hi, my name is Andre. I'm here with my friends. We're from New York University. We're studying here. I'm Filipino. Um, uh, my name is Linus. I'm from Taiwan. My name is Rose. I'm from Mongolia. Welcome. Happy to be here. Hello. Hello, my name is Adrian. I'm here with my wife, Griselda, my little son, Christian. We are from Spain. And uh, we've been living in Abu Dhabi for four years. So we are very, very happy to be here. Oh, we're glad that you're here. Thank you. Right. My new friend back there. My. Oh, sorry. All right, Hadidi, hold on. Ladies first. Sorry. Uh, I'm Shirin Katruk from Bombay, India. I've come to visit my son and daughter-in-law, and it has been a great pleasure to be in this church and to worship along with y'all. Thank Amen. you. We're glad. Welcome. Hello, hello. Hi, my name is Mohammed Al Hadidi. I'm from Jordan. This is my first time here. Nice to meet you. All right. Left section. That's going to be quite a challenge to beat the middle section here. All right. Not a competition, but it's all right. My name is Namar Ramiri, and I'm from Uganda. Okay. Welcome. All right. Well, anyone else? Last call? All right. So, well, it's a joy to have you all here. And for those around them, please make sure we give them a very warm Grace Church welcome and we could chat some more even after the service. All right, at the back. We'd like to call on the ushers now uh, to come forward. And as we prepare our hearts for, for the offering this afternoon, I'd like to lead us all into prayer. So if you'll bow your heads and let's pray together. Almost gracious and merciful Heavenly Father, we come before your holy presence today in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. 
Lord, we come reverently, but we also come confidently because you have told us that you would hear us and that you would answer our prayers. So we come before your throne, Lord, with full assurance of faith. Oh, what a privilege we have to be called as your children. Almighty God, we acknowledge and we confess, Lord, that we have sinned against you in thought, in what we have said and done. Lord, we have not loved you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. There have been times when we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Father, we come before you, Lord, and we ask that you deepen within us our sadness for the wrong that we have done and the good that we have left undone. Lord, you are full of compassion. You are gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. And we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, and we humbly ask, for your forgiveness. Restore to us, Lord, the joy of your salvation. Bind up that which is broken. And Lord, give light to our minds and rest to our soul. Heavenly Father, we lift up to you those who are sick, those who are suffering in pain or in some long-term illness, maybe something that the doctors could not even figure out. Lord, your hand is not too short to save, nor your ears too dull to hear. Father, may you provide healing, relieve the pain. Lord, provide medical and financial resources that they need, that may their faith be strengthened as they wait upon you. Heavenly Father, we lift up to you this country. We lift up to you this city, Abu Dhabi, that you have called us into. Father, we thank you that you have brought us here. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to meet together, for the tolerance that the leaders in this country have, and we pray that that would increase more. We pray, Lord, for all the churches that are believing in Jesus Christ in Abu Dhabi, churches worshiping in different tongues, lifting up high the name of Jesus. What a joy that you have allowed us to experience, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ for all people. May the good news of salvation through Jesus be preached boldly and may unity grow amongst the churches. Lord, we pray for more workers, Lord, more laborers in the field that you have set in this country. Lord, may you raise up men and women to go boldly and preach the word of Christ, Lord. We pray for the preaching of the word this afternoon. As your word is proclaimed, we ask for your guidance and insight to give us understanding. May your spirit move among us, transforming these moments, Lord. We pray for the offering that we are about to give back to you this afternoon. We pray that these would be used for the glory of your name, for the furtherance of your kingdom. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. As the offering bag is passed around, a couple of announcements. Right, so the first one is tomorrow there is going to be an introduction to Grace Church session. That's going to be at 3 p.m. in the Browns residence. Now, if you have not attended any of the sec of these sessions yet, we'd like to, in to invite you to join one. So this is going to be um, a time for you to meet other people, new people in Grace Church and um, 
just make sure that you 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 would hear about uh, the history, the passions, and the convictions of Grace Church, and learn how you can become a member. Right. So this would be the first step for membership. However, if you're still not considered being member, just wanting to know more about the church, we'd like to invite you to come as well. So that's 3 p.m. at the Browns Villa that's going to be in Khalifa City A. So if you are interested, please send an email to mail at gracechurchabudabi.com or you can check out the church website. So there's a there's a page there which gives you more details and how you can get directions for the location. All right. Next announcement for the ladies. The next two announcements are for the ladies. So ladies, there's going to be a Women of Grace evening. That's going to be on Friday, next Friday, February 9. And ladies, you're invited for an evening of worship, teaching, and testimonies. That's going to be at uh, 7 p.m. next Friday at the Berg's Villa in MBZ. So if you are interested, and uh, for ladies, I'd like to urge you to, to come to these, please, you may email dawn.girly at gracechurchabudabi.com or again, check out that uh, QR code for the details on how to sign up for that, right? So that's Friday. Then two days later, the women's Bible study will be starting. So that's starting February 11. It, the women's Bible study is a 10-week course studying the book of Jonah. And there will be various groups meeting in different times, in different locations throughout the city. So please, again, check out the, uh, the QR code that's, that's coming up or get more details outside on the registration table for details of how to sign up for this study on the book of Jonah for ladies. All right. Next up, I want to call on who's coming up? Eric or Asha? Asha. All right. So Asha is, uh, has been leading our kids' ministry and she has some announcements for the kids' ministry. Good afternoon, church. Yeah, my name is Asha. I'm part of Grace Kids and Twins Ministry. Uh, for those who are not familiar with this ministry, our mission is to change the lives of our children and preteens by connecting them to Jesus through welcoming them to a safe place, um, worshiping together, teaching them, assisting them, and loving them. So the two announcements that I have to make, the first one, First, we are so thankful for the volunteers that make God's plan to happen with our children. Thank you for your faithfulness. I see some of them here. I'm looking at them. Thank you. We really appreciate what you do. We are going to have Grace Kids and Twins dinner on Saturday on the 2nd of March, 2024. It will be from 6.15 p.m. to 8 p.m., and it will be at the basement of TEC building, same building where we are. It's going to be a great time of fellowship together as a team. There will be lots of food. Yeah, those who love food, please come. <laughs> yeah, there will be lots of food, interactive fun activities, and most importantly, we will be recognizing every volunteer for their service to Grace Kids. 
All children ministry volunteers and their immediate family are invited. We request the volunteers to sign up so that we can plan accordingly. So if you are a volunteer of Grace Kids, please scan the QR code that is displayed and the deadline for signing up is 21st of February. See you then. Secondly, if you're not part of Grace Kids Ministry and Twins, we are calling out for more people to sign up and be available to serve our little children. Grace Kids Ministry concept is to serve only once a month so that the rest you'll be able to attend the church and be fed spiritually. Even if you have never served in Grace Kids or children ministry, please sign up. We will guide you. Our kids, they need us. It will be awesome to help them grow spiritually and to see the next generation grow in the kingdom. I would like to read two uh, cards that were written by the children to the volunteers. Dear volunteers, thank you for helping and teaching us to learn about Christ. I would like to encourage you with a verse from Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The second one, hi, I just want to let you know that you're doing a great job. Even if you feel down, I want you to be encouraged by this verse. Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So if you're not part of Grace Kids, how can you sign up? There's another QR code displayed. Please go ahead and sign up. And, or you can also approach me and Eric. We're going to be standing outside after the service on the lobby. Thank you, church. All right. Don't forget, sign up for Grace Kids. It's a great ministry. Uh, so please, everyone, stand up. Say hello to somebody close to you. Let's go ahead and grab a seat. So good to see all these connections being made. And Isidora, come on up. Oh, there, you're right here. Isidora is going to read our scripture for us for tonight. Good afternoon, Grace Church. It's a privilege to read God's Word. So our today's reading is from Romans chapter 9, verses 10 to 13. And not only so, but also when Rebecca had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. 
as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Thank you, Isidora. Let's pray together. The psalmist in Psalm 119 says that your word gives life, Father. We praise you for the many, many times we've opened up your word, and you have done exactly that, changed our hearts, shown us your glory, filled us with your spirit, given us life. Lord, do it again tonight, now I pray. For me, for each of us, give us life in your word. We want to meet you in the pages of Scripture. Lord, would you strengthen faith? Would you comfort broken hearts? Would you guide confused steps? Would you do all the things you love to do through the Scriptures, all for the glory of our Savior Jesus, whom you sent to come into a mighty work? I pray for help, that I would be faithful to your word, that I have the wisdom I need and the heart that I need. Come and work now, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is our third week going through Romans chapter 9, which talks about weighty topics like predestination and election, which means God's choosing people for salvation, weighty topics. And I want to encourage you to keep working on this, so I thought I would read you a quote from R.C. Sproul. R.C. Sproul's with the Lord now. He's gone to heaven, but for many years in the U.S., he was a teacher and an author and a pastor, and he struggled with predestination and election. Listen to what he says. Here's what he wrote. My struggle with predestination began early in my Christian life. I fought against it tooth and nail. But in seminary, the ninth chapter of Romans was the clincher. I simply could not avoid the apostles' teaching in that chapter. Reluctantly, I surrendered. Okay, I believe this stuff, but I don't have to like it. But once I began to see the truth of the doctrine my eyes were opened to the graciousness of grace and to the grand comfort of God's sovereignty. This doctrine reveals to me the depth of the riches of the mercy of God. So my encouragement is keep studying, keep reading, keep praying, keep discussing. The hard work will be worth it. So we're going through Romans. I want to give you just a quick summary of the book of Romans that we've seen. Chapter 1 through 8, Paul gives us an amazing description of the promises that God has given us, the life-giving promises God has given us in Christ. Chapters 1 through 8, all these beautiful promises in Christ. But before he can move on to the application in Romans chapter 12, he has to answer a massive objection that he's heard come up when he's preached the gospel. Here's the objection. When Paul would preach, he would tell people, everyone 
Gentiles and Jews need to be forgiven for their sins, saved, reconciled to God, everyone, including the Jews. And it seems that there is maybe often hands that would go up, and some of the Jewish religious leaders would say, well, now, now wait a minute, Paul. Didn't God in the Old Testament promise that everyone born Jewish was already saved, already forgiven, already reconciled to God? They, they were wrong in saying that, let me just mention, but this is what they thought, that the Old Testament God promised every ethnic Jew is already saved. This is what the Jewish leaders believed. So they were saying, so now, Paul, if what you're saying is right, then God's promise to the Jewish people has failed. That means you're saying God has broken one of his promises. And I want you to feel what a weighty objection that is, because if God has broken his promise to Israel, how can we count on his promises to all of us in Romans 1 through 8? Do you feel the problem? So before Paul can move into the application, here's how trusting these promises will transform us, which is Romans 12 through 16, he needs to take chapters 9 through 11, where he answers that objection, and he explains why God's promises can be trusted, because God's kept all of his promises to Israel and will keep all of his promises to all of us. That's chapters 9 through 11. God never promised that every ethnic Israelite would automatically be saved. We are not saved by ethnicity, by race. How are we saved? We're saved by grace. Yes, we are, and we're saved by grace through, that's the answer I was looking for. Okay, grace through faith. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. We're saved by faith, trusting all that God has promised us in the Messiah, Jesus. God has promised, he's promised to save from sin and give eternal life to everyone who puts his trust in Jesus Christ. God's promised that. God has always kept that promise. God will continue to always keep that promise. God keeps all of his promises. That's what Paul wants us to understand. We're saved by faith. Now, last week we saw that God wants to, God, Paul, God through Paul, wants to take us deeper and ask the question, how do people come to faith? Yes, we're saved by faith. We must choose to put our trust in Christ. How do we come to the place where we put our faith in Jesus Christ? Let's go a little bit deeper. And last week we saw that while we do choose to put our faith in Jesus Christ, we must choose to do that or we won't be saved. The reason we choose to do that is because God changes our hearts. So we want to trust Jesus. We desire to trust Jesus. We want to be forgiven and saved. God changes our hearts and gives us faith. The reason that's so important is that by nature and by choice, all of us, all of humanity, we've all been sinners. We didn't want God. We had no interest in God. We wanted food and popularity and money and self-righteousness or some kind of man-made spirituality or religion or friends or sexual pleasure, whatever it might be, that's what we wanted. We didn't want God. And so if God had left us to ourselves, none of us would have ever had faith in Him. He, we needed to have Him change our hearts. And if you're trusting Jesus Christ tonight, just like we sang in so many of the songs tonight, if you're trusting Christ tonight, the reason is because God changed your heart and gave you faith. So you wanted to be forgiven 
You wanted to know God. You wanted to love Jesus. And so you did. So faith, no one's saved without faith. The reason we have faith is because God changes our hearts. But now, in tonight's passage, Paul wants to take us deeper, deeper than that. He wants to ask, why did God change your heart and give you faith? Why did God do that? And the answer is that even though you were a sinner, we all were in great love and mercy. God, before the foundation of the world, chose you to be saved. Paul's taking us deep because he wants to highlight for us God's love, God's sovereignty, God's beauty, God's compassion, God's wisdom. That's why we believed, because God chose us. And to show us that, Paul talks about the story of Jacob and Esau in Romans 9, 10 through 13, which Isidora read for us earlier. The story of Jacob and Esau. So what happens with Jacob and Esau? Now here's some background. Back, book of Genesis, little history. God had promised Abraham that his descendants would become a great nation, the nation of Israel. And last week we read that Abraham's son Isaac would be the one through whom this great nation would be born, Isaac. And Isaac grew up, and he married Rebekah. Rebekah became pregnant with twins, two boys, Jacob and Esau. So, which one would be the one continuing the line? Through which of them would the people of Israel be born? That's the question. And before they were born, before Jacob and Esau were born, God told Rebekah that the people of Israel would be born through Jacob, not Esau. And that's exactly what happened. You know the story. Jacob's 12 sons were the 12 leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel born through Jacob. Esau's sons became the Edomites, E-D-O-M, Edomites, who lived southeast of Israel. Now, this story of God choosing Jacob to be the one through whom Israel is born, that's not the story of God choosing Jacob for salvation. It's not what's happening in this passage. But what God does is he takes the way God chose Jacob, and he says, that's how God chooses us for salvation. The way that God chose Jacob, passing over Esau and choosing Jacob to be the father of the people of Israel, is the same way that God chooses us for salvation. So, what does this teach us about how God chooses us? What does this teach us about God's choosing? And Paul in Romans 9, 10 through 13, gives us four truths about God's choosing. Crucial for us to see this. Beautiful truth, challenging truth to wrap our minds and hearts around, but powerful truth. So four truths. What does this teach us about God's choosing? First truth. God's choosing takes place before we were born. Verses 10 through 12 of Romans 9. Listen to what Paul writes. 
And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election, that is choosing, might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. Now, usually the older, firstborn, would have the position of honor in the family. But God loves to surprise us with his mercy. So by saying that the older Esau would serve the younger, Jacob, God is saying that he's choosing Jacob to be the father of the people of Israel, have that position of honor. And God made this choice of Jacob over Esau before they were born. Before they were born, God passed over Esau and chose Jacob to be the one who was going to be the father of the people of Israel. And that's a picture of how God chooses us for salvation. Remember, we understand about faith. Paul's taking us deeper. We have faith because God's changed our hearts. And now he's taking us even deeper. The reason God changed our hearts is because he chose us for salvation. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Paul is describing being chosen for salvation here. And look at what he says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, just pause there, because next Paul goes through a list of spiritual blessings. If you were going to list spiritual blessings, would you have written down, God chose me? Is that one of the blessings you'd have written down? That's where Paul starts. Verse 3, even as he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So before people are born, before people are born, before the foundation of the world, God passes over some and he chooses others to save. That's what the scriptures teach. Passes over some, chooses others to save. And we might say, oh, no, wait a minute. How is that fair? Is that just? And that is a really good question, very important question to ask. I believe it is absolutely just and fair when you understand the big picture. Here's the big picture. All of us, by nature and choice, have been sinners. All of us. We've all rebelled against our Creator. Haven't we? We've all turned our backs on Him. We've all walked away from Him. We've all disobeyed Him. All of humanity, no exceptions. And if God would have left us to ourselves, no one would ever turn to Christ. He'd still be waiting for somebody to turn to Christ. Nobody would be saved because we were so steeped in sin, hostile toward God like Paul said in Romans 8. Nobody would have ever turned to him. Nobody would ever trust Jesus. That's how, how sinful we were. So God took two steps. Important to understand this. Before the foundation of the world, God justly decided to allow many to continue in their sin 
just to stand back, allow many to continue in their sin all the way to eternal judgment. He allowed them to carry on their willful disobedience. And that was just for God to do. They were sinners, just like us. It was just. Punishment of sin is just for God to do. Just stand back and, and let them continue their way all the way to eternal judgment. That's one thing God did. But that's not all they did. That could have been all they did. It's not all they did. Before the foundation of the world, in great mercy and love, at the cost of sending his own son to the cross, we can't imagine the cost that that meant for him. He also chose to save, passed over and chose to save, a book of Revelation says, a vast number that no one can count from every nation, tongue, and tribe. Beautiful display of costly, sacrificial love and mercy. So there's nothing unfair about what God has done here. If you really sit and think about it, it's perfectly just, isn't it, for God to allow sinful people to continue in their path of, of willful disobedience? And it's perfectly beautiful, beautifully merciful for God at great cost to himself to choose to save a vast multitude that no one can count at the price of his son's shed blood. Now, when we start to talk in these kind of categories, which the Bible does talk in, one question that often comes, which is super important, and that is, okay, it's obviously very important to be chosen by God for salvation. How can I tell God has chosen me for salvation? How, how can I tell I'm one of the elect? That's the phrase that Jesus used a lot. How can I tell I'm one of the elect? How can I tell? And the answer is beautifully simple. Are you trusting Jesus? Remember? Boom. Are you trusting Jesus? That's how you tell. Are you trusting Jesus Christ? Not with perfect faith and not with super strong faith. Faith is up and down, but are you, in your heart, are you trusting Jesus as your Savior? So you know, I desperately need a Savior. I have sinned against God. I deserve His judgment. I need a Savior. Jesus is the Savior. I love Him. I trust Him. His righteousness is my only hope, and it is my hope. So are you trusting Jesus tonight as your Savior? The only reason you're doing that is because God has chosen to save you and has changed your heart and given you that faith. Are you trusting Jesus as your Lord? Not that you're sinless. None of us is. But is every area of your life surrendered to Him? And when rebellion starts to rise up in your heart, which we all experience, you battle it. You battle it. And when you stumble and sin, which we do, you confess, you're back, you're repenting, you're back trusting the Lord. Are you trusting Jesus as your Lord? Not sinless, right? Are we clear on that? But you're trusting him. If you're trusting Jesus as your Lord tonight, God chose you. He loved you, he chose you from before the foundation of the world to save you. So you're trusting Jesus as your Savior, you're trusting Jesus as your Lord, and you're trusting Jesus as your treasure. You've tasted the love of God in Christ pouring into your heart, and there is nothing, nothing like his joy, is there? Just, sin can't compete. I mean, we keep going after it because we're, we're stupid, but sin can't compete. The treasure of knowing Christ, the joy of knowing his presence, beholding his glory, there is nothing that comes close. You know, you're, we can pursue other things, but you know, 
Nothing else ever satisfied me. Nothing is like Jesus is. Are you trusting Jesus as your treasure tonight? If so, then God gave you that trust. He chose you for it, and he gave it to you. That's how you can tell. So here's what we've seen so far. First truth from these verses. God's choosing takes place before you're born. Second truth. This is amazing. God's choice is not based on anything in you. Verses 11 and 12. Again, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad. Catch that? Had done nothing either good or bad. In order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. The fact that God chose Jacob before Jacob and Esau were born shows that it was before they had done anything good or bad. It's not that Jacob was more righteous than Esau. You see that? It's not that Jacob was more righteous. God's choice was not based on anything in Jacob. And the same is true with salvation. If you're trusting Christ tonight, God's choice of you had nothing to do with you. The reason was not found inside you. It's not that he looked ahead and saw what a good person you'd be in there. I'm going to choose. I like to choose good people, so I'll choose. That's not how God does it. Before they had done anything good or bad, God made that choice. It's not that God looks ahead and sees those who will have faith. Oh, that one will have faith. I'll choose them. That's not Acts 13, 48. As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. The appointment produces the believing. That's the order, Acts 13, 48. So let this sink in. This is so important for us. And oh, this, this humbles us. And humility is such a sweet gift from God. You are not saved. You are not chosen because you're better than anybody else. You were not. I was not. None of us were. You feel that. You understand that. We were all sinners, but God, at great cost, chose to save you. That's what this means. Third truth from these verses. This is beautiful. If God's choice isn't based on anything in me, what's it based on? It's based on him. Verses 10 through 12, read them again. Not only so... But also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election, purpose of choosing, might continue, not because of works, here it is, but because of him who calls. Because of him, she was told the older will serve the younger. Why did God choose Jacob? It's not because of anything in Jacob. The reason was not in Jacob. The reason was in God. God's choice was because of him who calls. It was because of God's free, undeserved grace, love, mercy. All the reason was in God. And the same is true with the reason God chose you. It's not found in your goodness, not found in anything about you. The the complete 100% reason you're trusting Jesus tonight is because of God, his love, his mercy, 
is compassion. Period. That's the reason. Now, let me explain one reason this is so important. It means that the glory for your salvation belongs to God alone. All the glory for you being saved to Him. Think about it like this. If a quarter of your salvation was because of you, then a quarter of the glory would go to you, right? Church, you get that? If a quarter of the reason you're saved is because of you, then a quarter of the glory goes to you. But you know what, church? A quarter of your salvation did not come from you. Zero percentage of your salvation came from you. Same with me. All of it came from God. If God was looking for some reason in me to be saved, he'd still be looking. And he'd be looking forever as I suffer hell, which is what I deserve. And the same is true for all of us. Oh, we have to see this and feel this. This is so important. The reason you were saved is because of God's stunning, sacrificial, costly mercy. He loved you. He sent Jesus to die for you. He loved you. Mercy. The reasons are all found in him. One more truth in these verses about God's choosing. Fourth truth. God's choice to save us changes everything. This is so important. This is no minor thing. This is massively important. And you can see that in verse 13. Let's read verses 12 and 13 again. Get the flow of thought. Though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, because of him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. And then verse 13, as it is written, Jacob, I loved, but Esau, I hated. Okay, verse 12 shows that big difference between Jacob and Esau. God's choice was that Esau, the older, would serve the younger. Jacob, not Esau, would be the father of Israel. That's verse 12. But what does verse 13 show? What does Paul mean by writing verse 13? Oh, I've labored over that this week. Jacob, I loved, but Esau, I hated. Now, here's what helped me. See if this helps you. That's not from the book of Genesis. It's not something God said back in the book of Genesis. That was written by the prophet Malachi. It's a quote from Malachi chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. So what helped me was to kind of put a timeline in place. So here, here's Christ coming, okay? Then you go back, book of Genesis, 1800 years B.C. Okay, here's, here's the book of Genesis being written back here, okay? Malachi was written 1,300 years later at 450 B.C. So you got Jesus coming here, the events of Genesis, Jacob and Esau, 1,800 B.C., and Malachi the prophet writes around 450 B.C. So a big time gap between Genesis and Malachi. Do you see that? It's very important to keep in mind. Here's what's going on with the time of Malachi, and he prophesies. The people of Israel had been complaining, saying, how has God loved us? <laughs> you say God's loved us? How? Malachi. And God answers. God answers by telling Israel to compare how God responded to them with how God responded to Edom, the nation born from Esau. Israel, you compare how I've responded to you 
and how I've responded to Edom. Now think about this. Both nations, Israel and Edom, started off equally sinful, right? God didn't choose Israel because they were so holy. No, just like all of us, okay? This is humanity. Both nations equally sinful. Israel, Edom. Now, at this point, 450 BC, when Malachi wrote this, we don't have any clue that any Edomites were saved. No clue that any were saved. Now, I just want to throw out uh, Amos chapter 9, verses 13 and 14 shows that Edomites will be saved. Jot that down. Good news. But at this point, we have no clue that any of the Edomites were saved. So at this point, God has justly passed over the Edomites with his salvation. He's passed over them, allowed them to continue in their sin. But when it came to Israel, God had mercifully chosen to save many in Israel. Not all of them. Remember, not all ethnic Israelites are saved, but he'd chosen to save many of them. Passed over Edom, allowed them to continue in their sin, and had chosen to save many in Israel by his mercy. So compare what happened with these two nations. Let's start with Israel. Many in Israel had been, had been saved. Many had been saved. But many continued in sin, worshiping idols, doing just horrifying things. And as God had warned, remember how he warned them? They were conquered by Babylon, 586 B.C., taken slavery to Babylon. But God had promised after 70 years, I'm going to bring you back for the sake of the remnant who are trusting me. I'm going to bring you back and Jerusalem will be rebuilt. That's what God had done with Israel. Yes, they'd sinned. They'd faced being conquered by Babylon. God brought them back. God was rebuilding them. Now, what had God done with Edom? Edom also sinning. God allowed them to be conquered. The Edomites were completely devastated. Edom was destroyed as a nation. And God said, as a nation, they will never be rebuilt. So God is saying to Israel, compare what I've done with you, Israel, Jacob, who I've loved by my mercy, no reason in you. And I've allowed Esau, Edom, to continue in sin and facing my judgment, hatred. So Israel, you're asking, how has God loved us? Compare. You and Edom were exactly the same. And look what I'm doing for you. Brought you back, rebuilding you. That's what I think is going on here. Jacob I've loved. Esau I've hated. That's what's happening in this passage. So Paul's point, I think, in quoting Malachi is to help us see that God's choice to save us changes everything. It changed Israel, Edom, their futures, their destinies, and it changes us. Remember, all of humanity, all of humanity, all of us, we, we, we were all sinners by nature and by choice. All sinners. And if God in his justice chooses to allow some to continue in their sin, and I think, by the way, when he does that, I, I think there's so, genuine sorrow in his heart. God loves, but to display his justice, he does that. That must happen. He must have justice. So for God to allow people like Edom, lost people to continue in their sin without saving them is not unjust. It's just. 
It's not unfair, it's just. But think of what that destiny means for people who God passes over. Their future will be destruction forever, justly by God's righteous justice. But now think about the other alternative, that God, in his mercy, sends Jesus to the cross to pay for sin. And instead of passing over, chooses to choose, save, save, save a vast multitude that no one can count from every nation, tongue, and tribe. Instead of their future being destruction forever, their future is going to be the joy of God's love and God's presence and God's glory, face-to-face fellowship with your Savior forever. So Paul's point is that God's choosing changes everything. It is massively important. Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Astonishing mercy that God shows to Israel and to us. That's what the story of Jacob and Esau teaches about God's choosing. Remember, Paul is not describing the story of Jacob and Esau's being chosen for salvation here. He's describing the story of Jacob being chosen to be the father of Israel. But the way God chose Jacob for that, Paul is saying, that's how God chooses people for salvation. Let me close with one last question. Four answers. One question, four answers. So I was thinking about this this week. How should, how will the truth of God's choosing impact us? How will it affect us? One is it might raise lots of questions. Okay, so keep working on this in your home groups. Email me questions. Um, I may talk about them here in the sermon, or I won't mention your name, or or I'll just send you an email. So it'll fill us with questions, which it should. Remember, R.C. Sproul's wrestling with these things. These things should make you wrestle. If this is new for you, I wouldn't expect you to be persuaded in one evening. But just keep reading the Scriptures. The Scriptures are the authority here. Read the Scriptures. But here's four other ways besides raising questions that this can and should impact us. First, it should fill us with sorrow for the lost. The same Paul who wrote these words, remember beginning of Romans chapter 9, he says, the lostness of my brothers and sisters, my Jewish kindred, fills me with great sorrow and unceasing, unceasing anguish. That's Paul's heart. Great sorrow and unceasing anguish for the lost. So believing what Paul writes here doesn't make you oblivious. It, makes, it breaks your heart. When you see, I was them, and for no reason in me, oh Lord, save them, save them. Great sorrow and unceasing anguish. Let's let their destiny, church, break our hearts like their destiny broke Paul's heart. Second, this motivates us to share the gospel. Beautiful. We see in Romans 10, Paul writes in the next chapter, that the only way people get saved is by hearing the good news of Jesus. That's how God saves people, hearing the good news of Jesus. And God promises to use our sharing of the gospel to save those he's chosen to save. We don't just sit back and say, well, God's going to save them. He's chosen them. No, God, God chooses them. He says, now you go tell them. That's how I'm going to save them. No heart is too hard. Remember, all of our hearts were too hard. 
I know mine was too hard. Somebody shared the gospel with me and God changed my heart through the word of the gospel. So as, as we seek to fill Abu Dhabi with the good news, just be praying, God will just be changing hearts. He has many in Abu Dhabi he's chosen. Every nation, tongue, and tribe. So this should motivate us to share the gospel. Third, it magnifies the wonder of God's love. One thing I've noticed, you might notice this too, is that very often in the Bible, when God's choosing people for salvation before the foundation of the world, when that's talked about, it's connected with the fact that God loves us. We're, we're beloved. That's how we know we're loved, because God's chosen us. That's just a beautiful picture of God's love. I want you to think about this. Again, just remember, all of mankind, including you, all of mankind, were choosing to sin and rebel against God. And for no reason in you, God chose to send Jesus to die for you, your sins. And for no reason in you, he chose to set his affection upon you as an individual. Put his love upon you. Choose you in his compassion. I mean, you as an individual, the God of the universe, the creator of the universe before the foundation of the world chose to save sinful me and sinful you. He loves me. He loves you. If your eyes have been open to that, I mean, I'm sure they have been if you're trusting Christ, but oh, let them be open to it more. Like what Sproul was saying with the beginning quote, let this show you God really does love me. I have faith right now. It's not perfect. It's not, no, it's not, but it's there. And the only reason faith is there is because God chose you and he gave it to you. You're one of the elect. God loves you. Celebrate and let it break your heart for the lost. And let's fill Abu Dhabi with the gospel. But let this show you God's love personally. He loves you. He chose you when there was no reason in you to be saved. No reason in you to have God choose you. But oh, he loves he has mercy. He has grace. He has compassion. Fourth way this should affect us. It makes salvation possible. If you are not yet trusting Christ, what you're hearing tonight is good news. Because God doesn't choose us because of anything good in us. So there's nothing in you that makes you say, well, I'm disqualified. No. Nothing can disqualify you. Nothing can disqualify you. No matter how sinful you have been, no matter how far from God you feel, no matter how horrifying the sins are that you've committed, God doesn't choose people based on what's in us. God chooses people because of his mercy and his compassion. Remember, all the reason for God's choosing is found in him. All of it. So all the glory goes to him, which is great news for us, right? We know we don't deserve this. This is great news. So here's what God says to you tonight if you're not yet trusting Christ. He says, look at my love displayed in sending my son to the cross to suffer that, to save people. Look at my love. Look at my mercy. Look at my compassion. Look at my reality. Look at my glory. Look at my compassion. Look at my love. 
Look at my son Jesus suffering on the cross to save people like you from sin. Do you see that? You have every reason to trust my son Jesus and to trust what I've promised to do in him. So trust Jesus. Trust him right now. Turn and trust him. Choose to trust him as your savior, as your Lord, and as your treasure. Choose to trust him. And the moment you do, everything will change. Everything. You'll be completely forgiven for all your sins, past, present, and future. God will pour his presence into your heart. You will know you've been chosen. You will know you've been saved. And all the glory will go to him. And you'll join us in worshiping and praising him. Put your trust in Jesus Christ tonight. Let's stand. Pray together. Lord, let these truths fill us with sorrow for the lost. Forgive us for getting dull, insensitive, feeling proud or superior. Oh, Lord, let this fill us with sorrow for the lost. Let this motivate us to share the gospel, knowing that you, by your power, use the words of the gospel that we share to change hearts. Lord, help us to fill Abu Dhabi with the gospel. Lord, help us to magnify the wonder of your love for us that we would see like never before how much you love us and how unshakable and unchangeable that foundation is for our eternity. And Lord, right now, let people who aren't yet trusting you see that this makes salvation possible and let them hear your call to trust Jesus. Grant that, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
seated please before we wrap up our service I have a bittersweet announcement to make Josh Wall our family pastor believed that at some point in the far distant future he would end up being a lead pastor at a church that at some point way off in the future God would call him to be a lead pastor that was supposed to be in the distant future but it seems that God has had other plans. Recently, the Lord brought him into contact with a church that is now calling him to be their lead pastor. Bittersweet announcement. Pastors in Brooklyn, New York, diverse church-like hours, in an area where there's a very large Muslim population, so they're going to feel right at home. Josh and Millie and the kids visited the church. He preached there. Church voted. Church called him. And as Josh and Millie prayed about this, and we were praying about this with them, they believe this is a step God is now calling them to take. 
we love Josh and Millie and their kids and the third one that's coming. We're grateful for the fruit that has been born in their, their lives and their ministry here. We are going to be very sad to see them go. But we do believe this is what God's calling them to do. So here's what this is going to mean. Talk about Grace Youth and then talk about them, Josh and Millie. When it comes to Grace Youth, here's the steps. Joe and Mary Berg are stepping in uh, to help lead Grace Youth temporarily with the help of Aaron and Tash Lacey. There's going to be a meeting next Saturday, 3 o'clock, here at the TEC building for parents of the youth. So parents, you can ask questions, and you'll get a sense of where things are going from this point. The weekly youth gathering is changing from Saturday afternoons to Sundays, 5.30, at rotating homes. Next week, it's going to be at the Lacey's home. So it's not going to be on Saturday next week. It'll be Sunday at 5.30. Food, games, worship, Bible study, men's and women's small groups. Joe Berg is going to be teaching, starting a series on the storyline of the Bible, the main events in the Scripture from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. It's going to be a powerful series. So that's what's going to happen in terms of grace youth. So parents, I would encourage you, come to the meeting next Saturday, 3 o'clock, here at the TEC building. When it comes to the walls, what's going to be happening? Well, we've encouraged Josh to focus all of his time on, you know, all that's needed to get ready to, to leave the country. Plus, there's, there's a baby coming into this month. Timing, timing. They get their hands full on this, dealing with. Then when the baby's born, they're going to need to get the baby's passport before they could fly away. We will let you know uh, as the specific date of their leaving draws near so we can make preparations for that. Josh especially wanted me to mention they love the youth here. They love Grace Church. They love Abu Dhabi. They know this is going to be a stretch for their family. They're stepping out in faith. And on behalf of Grace Church, I want to say, this is not goodbye at this point, but we love you too. We're grateful for you. So they're going to be hanging out here. You can talk to them. Again, we will let you know when the specific date comes up and what that's all going to mean. Any questions, you can let us know. If you are part of the Al-Bandar home group, actually, why don't you guys stand? We, let's, can I lead us in prayer for them right now? There we go. In fact, some of you gather around them and lay hands on them. Okay, if you just get up and gather, stand up, get around them. Because these next, next weeks, months are going to be stressful. Let's pray. Father, we do love Josh and Millie and their kids. Thank you for the fruit you've borne here in this church through their lives and ministry. Thank you. We trust what you're doing here, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you would pour out your grace upon them. Pour out confirmation, Lord. Fill them with even more peace and strength. Big change. With a new baby, three kids, all that's going on. Lord, strengthen them, guide them, pave the way. Bless them richly, Lord, we ask in these next weeks, months. Lord, we pray for 
healthy Millie, healthy baby. Smooth delivery coming up into this month. Grant that, Lord, we pray. So, Lord, we love you. We love them. We'll be praying for them again as they leave. But, Lord, for now, strengthen, encourage, confirm, guide all that needs to happen, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, now, if you're part of the All Bondar Home Group and you're available to pray for people, why don't you come on up and stand at the far right-hand corner? We'd appreciate that very much. Just come on up now. And if you would like prayer for anything, we would love to pray for you. Just come on. It's a healing issue. Maybe this is the time when you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, put your trust in Him. We would be, we'd love to pray with you along those lines. Job problems, temptations you're battling, A to Z, whatever you need. Come on up and have somebody pray. Stand. I'll speak this benediction over us. Let's stand. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Grace Church, amen. Amen.